All right, welcome back to Jed Banger's Ball. I'm your host, Jed Mayhew, as always. Man, we haven't been on the air here for a while. It's been a while. I, uh, I just got back from tour, European tour, 24 shows, 25 days, with the rock and roll legends and band Zigzags. Fucking crazy over there. <laughs> we had a great time. Everybody is great. The people were great. Uh, Long-ass drives, five to seven hours a day, staying up all night. The thing that I learned over there is, uh, you know, they want you to play for like an hour. Um, and it's kind of intense when you're playing like super fast, like punk, hardcore sort of metal shit. So every night you play for like an hour and then you're just like completely covered in sweat. But great experience we went all the way to fucking serbia i never thought i'd go that far east i had no intentions of ever going that far east to play music or to visit uh but now i want to just go wherever the fuck i i can and i'll just go play wherever you know you you just get like you get into it after like after the first week or so it just becomes the norm and uh you just fucking roll with it people stop bitching as much as they did at the beginning and and then, and then you just get into a group. But we're back here in L.A. We got a new studio. Um, we're in Eagle Rock, California now. Or Eagle Rock is part of L.A. And it's actually closer than the old place. Um, and uh, my buddy Adam Wade is now uh, helping us with the, with the engineering. And you'll hear him uh, <laughs> chime in a few times today on the show. Which is uh, a new thing, which was an unexpected thing, but it was a good thing, and it, and I, and I, and I think it added to the uh, the levity of the show. But enough about that. Today, our guest, Jay Bennett, rock writer, uh, heavy metal aficionado, guitar player of the band Ides of Gemini, who I saw uh, a few months ago. He was nice enough to put me on the list, and uh, they played at the Echoplex and. I don't want to get too much into it, but it was uh, one of the uh, funniest sound guy uh, situations I've seen. There was a lot of feedback on the stage, and I looked over, the sound guy was like literally grabbing his hair, staring at the soundboard, and then throwing his hands up in the air. Jay and I talked about it uh, the day after and had a little bit of a laugh. But Jay is somebody that I met a long time ago when I was first kind of getting into the music side of the business. And so uh, it's a real pleasure to have him on the show. So let's talk to Jay Bennett. You can hear me, right? Yeah. Okay. So what would, wait, now what? How come you get a windscreen and I don't? Are you just more, it's a tendency that you tend to spit more or you're worried about your plosives? Uh, I think it was, well, because we only have one. (laughs) (laughs) And Adam, who's uh, now engineering the show, when we were setting it up earlier, he he decided that uh, it would help me with it. plosives. That's what they call it. Plosives, yeah. When your 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 P sounds, so they don't. It, I guess this, Adam can step in and correct me here. I think the the idea with the windscreen, it, it kind of breaks the breaks up your hard P sounds, right? So you don't get that like crack. If you're you know if you're doing when you do your spoken word record. <laughs> Um, when I do my, uh, <laughs> what, what, what do they call it? Like a stomp, not stomp, but, uh, poetry slam, poetry slam yeah. album. Yeah. <laughs> the, well, the poetry part, especially because of the P well, I, every time I've done vocals ever, I've always had the windscreen. 
Yeah. It's, um, it's good for you. It's like vitamin C. But unless you're doing like maybe like a hardcore record and you just want to have like a the mic in the hand, in the room, yeah. screaming. Or maybe like in your mouth. Like yeah. have you seen Steve Austin from Today's a Day does that? Sometimes he just goes, he just fillets, fillets it. Yeah, uh, we just played a show uh, in Europe, which we'll get to later, but uh, in the band right before us. And, you know, the whole thing is like some bands bring their own microphones on tour because they're worried about germs and getting sick and things like that. Or some bands will have like uh, handy wipes or whatever, and they'll, they'll wipe the microphone off before. Some of those microphones stink. You walk up to those things and it's like, it smells like a foot. They fucking sometimes, yeah, they're fucking horrible. Worse than that, like they just smell like fucking shit or just like rotten fucking teeth and breath and whatever. But like this band was playing before us, and it was just the dude was just like deep throating the mic the entire like had it like yeah. you know hands behind his back, guitar feeding back, mic in his mouth all the way, just like you know. And I was just like. Fuck. Get that dude a gimp mask. Well, now I got to sing in that same mic, you know, because I'm yeah, like, right, oh, ah, yeah. the stage right. And see, yeah, right. And you were probably thinking the guy with the handy wipes who wipes it down is like, oh, dude, what a pussy. But now you're like, you wish you had some handy wipes. <laughs> I wish I had uh, my own microphone is, yeah. wish I, is what I wished that I'd had at that point. Sarah in, in, in Ides of Gemini in my band, uh, she travels with her own microphone. And personally, I don't blame her. Yeah, and I think the first person that I ever saw that was my buddy Lars and his band, The Intelligence. He always brings his own microphones, and, and for that reason, too. And if there isn't one, if for whatever reason we don't have a mic, he'll do the whole handy wipe thing. And I used to think that was like, yeah, that's lame, you know? And like I feel the same way about uh, like uh, hand soap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, hand sanny. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like if you're using that stuff, you're going to get sick. Like it's lowering your immune system. Yeah. Now. I've heard that theory. Yeah. But man, when the dude is just like deep throating the microphone, it's just like, fuck. Yeah. It's yeah, brutal. Man. No one, I mean, it's sloppy seconds and <laughs> you, no one wants that. So getting back to it here, I'm just, I want to, I want to start somewhere with you because I'm trying to think, you know, I've known you now for like 15 years or something like that somewhere in the 15 to 800 range yeah. yeah and i have a lot of the a lot of the guests on the show are people that i've known for a long time but then it's like you forget how long you've known people but i remember i, I think you and i met at south by southwest i think that's right yeah but it had to be like 2000 2001 maybe i think you know what if i remember yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I I want to say, yeah, it was two thousand one, two thousand two. Because I remember, I remember flying to South by Southwest once. It was the first South South by Southwest after nine eleven, and uh. I had, and I don't know if this was my first trip there or my second. It was one of the two. This was either my, I think this was either my second or third trip when I met you. But I had gone before playing in bands. This was my first job okay. time yeah. going. Uh I had whatever previous trip I had gone on, I had left a pocket knife in my bag and I got to my hotel room and the knife was in my bag. And I was thinking to myself, um, you know, that's weird with all the heightened security. Sure. It was especially weird because they confiscated my toothpaste. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, the pocket knife, no big deal. 
And it's not even that you have toothpaste because you're allowed to bring the little three ounce. It's that you have too much toothpaste. Right. You know, can you just squeeze some out yeah, into the garbage can? I, I know. Or like onto the conveyor belt that goes through <laughs> that. That's what I would have liked to have done. But yeah, they, they, they preempted me on that. So you, but I mean, I had a girlfriend one time that I, she t took a flight and then uh, got to where she was going and then called me and was like, you left a switchblade in my bag. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh shit, did they find it or whatever? And she's like, no. And I was like, oh, okay, well you can just toss it or Great. whatever, you know? Thanks TSA. Yeah. And that was also post 9-11. But you know that trip though, that, that you brought this knife or whatever, I had, uh, FedExed a bunch of like cocaine down there. I, I remember that. I was wondering if you were going to, I was going to wait for you to bring that up, but yes, I, well, I remember that. I wasn't sure if that was okay for, to bring up with you, but, um, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know, you know, and I don't think I was like so into cocaine. I think I was just like into the idea of FedExing cocaine yeah. to South by Southwest. Yeah. And it was not, just, it wasn't just like, it was for like a bunch of people. It was, or like our friends, you know? Yeah, I have, you know, it's funny that you bring that up after the plane thing. I have a theory about that. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. So without getting into too many stories, it, in my experience, it has become incredibly easy to bring drugs onto planes because the security is not geared that way. Right. It's all, it's geared for weapons. Although apparently not pocket knives or switchblades, but <laughs> you know, um, I was convinced that someone like some heavy duty drug smuggler was going to write a book about this is what I got away with after nine 11 because you know, but it sure. never, it never happened. But yeah, I mean, it's incredible. Like the, I mean, for all the hassle that going to the airport is these days, it's like, what the fuck, man? You Dude, know? Yeah. We, we, they were so adamant about not letting us, uh, go through. They wanted to put our disposable camera through the x-ray machine so badly in yeah. France. And it was like, it's going to ruin the film. Yeah. And they're like, no, we don't care. We're going to x-ray this fucking camera. Yeah. In that case, just throw it right in the garbage. Let's just <laughs> yeah. skip the fucking process. You know what I mean? But, I mean, why? Let's just cut out the middleman here. So when we first met, we were in a hotel room, and it was like, oh, the FedEx package arrived. <clears throat> yeah. Everyone was getting ready to go out. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to incriminate anyone else that was there other than ourselves. Right. Yeah. Sure. Fuck, fuck yeah. it. You know, I yeah. don't care. But, uh, but we point, all know who was there. Sure. Of course. <laughs> um, but my, I guess my question is, you know, at the time, I think God, I was like 21 or something like that. And, and I was just so excited to be there. And I was like the, you know, the kid, the asshole kid or whatever, uh, with, with the other publicists from sub pop and, uh, what, what, what were you doing that? Like, what was your job there? Because I was there just kind of learning the ropes as a publicist and like, you I, know, I was there in my capacity as, uh, I was the music editor of a weekly pay, uh, like alternative weekly, I guess you would call it in Boston called Boston's weekly dig, which was sort of like, um, there was two. There were two in Boston at the time. Uh, the Weekly Dig and the Phoenix was like the big one. Right. Um, the Phoenix was probably more comparable to like what the LA Weekly is today. Sure. And the Boston's Weekly Dig was 
kind of cooler than that. I right. think. Like the strangers. <laughs> yeah, like totally. That. Yeah. Perfect example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was the music editor there and, uh, so I, I, I somehow convinced them to, you know, I got, I got my credentials or whatever you need, your passes or something from, sure. because I was editor. And then I, I somehow convinced my, the, you know, the publisher to fly me there. I mean, if, you know, an airplane and hotel was not that really in 2002 or one or whatever it was, it wasn't really a big deal. It wasn't yeah, that, that expensive. People were doing that back then because yeah. <laughs> the idea of print media still existed on both ends as far as like, we we were as publicists were being flown down to South by Southwest and put up in a hotel in the sense that we were supposed to be there to meet you guys and to like show you a good time and like buy you guys drinks. Hence the FedEx and FedEx cocaine to you, <laughs> you know, or whatever. And, I, you know, I don't know if that that exists so much anymore. It seems much harder to get like the badges are so expensive and they're like, who, no one's going to pay for you to get a badge these days. I haven't gone in so long. I don't even know what it's like. My impression from, is that it just is turned into like, I mean, it, it was kind of becoming a shit show even back then, but now sure. it just seems like, I, I don't know. I'm not sure that I would want to. We just played in it and I say it every year that it's my last year. And then <laughs> some kind of cool offer comes along yeah. and then, and then you're like, you start asking the other friends and bands, like, hey, are you guys going? They're like, oh, yeah, we're going to go. And they're like, ah, oh, fuck, I got to go now. Like, I'm, I'm going to miss out. And then you go, and then everyone's just like, why the fuck did we go to this? Like, <laughs> this fuck, it's like a Halloween party. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but so did you grow up in Boston then? Uh, well, I, I grew up in Massachusetts. Okay. Uh, I, I, li I lived in Boston for ten, 10 years. But I was going there, see, even when I was – when I was like in, I guess maybe starting in late middle school, my dad already lived in Boston. So I was going there pretty regularly anyways. What was he doing? Uh, he, he was just living there, working there. Um, and, uh, he lived, he lived in Cambridge between, I don't know how well you know Boston, but he lived, he lived between Central Square and Harvard Square. I Cambridge. don't know Boston. I've been there once and like have family that lives there. My girlfriend's from there. And I know nothing. Oh, okay. About yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like have, the one place I know nothing. Have you played about. there at all? Played there. At played the in Austin. Oh, Austin. Okay. Austin. Okay. Uh, I can't remember the name of the place, but uh, O'Brien's probably or or oh, uh, Great uh, Scott. Great Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I used to live less than a block from Great Scott right. on that street. Uh, at one point, I did in ninety ninety six, ninety five, ninety six, something like that. So yeah, I'm a math hole. I guess is the short answer. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, did you know my girlfriend back then, Jessica? I think we met a couple times okay. at some point. I don't know. What time, What year did she move out here? Uh, I want to say she moved out here in 98, 99, but I'm not sure, though. Okay, so she beat me. I moved here in 2000, 2002. Maybe. 2002 yeah. So she okay. beat me by a couple of years. Well, because of all of her buddies are living out here, too, and they're all mass holes, basically. And, yeah. you know, proud of it or whatever. And, yeah. And it's funny, though. Yeah, it is funny. I Yeah. I know. They're <laughs> funny people. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I sort of miss that sometimes, but other times I'm just like, Oh God, like I'm so glad I'm not there. Yeah. It's, 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 it's intense. You know, it's like, it's like New York. And, and I think that in the sense of, uh, and you hear the, I've heard comedians talk about this where they say like, you know, Boston is like the funniest people, Yeah. you know, in LA people are not funny. Yeah. Uh, and I, think that's true because new orleans is the same way too 
and I think this is there's an openness or whatever, but like you get off the plane in New York or New Orleans or uh, Boston or whatever, and there, there's some guy in the airport who works there is like yelling at some other lady that works there, like down the hallway, like, <laughs> what'd you do this weekend? You know, like, ah, well, I fuck you. You know, like they're talking shit to yeah. each other constantly, which does not happen when you get off the plane in LA. Like, yeah. Or like two guys, like my, my favorite is like two, you know, couple, you get off the plane and it's like two guys like waiting for, you know, the baggage claim. And like one guy's in his like satin Celtics jersey, <laughs> With yeah. like a with like a Pats jersey underneath that right. and a Red Sox cap, and another guy has like some other variation. Like he's got his satin Red Sox jacket with the Celtics jersey. They both got Dunkin' Donuts, and then like there's there's like some there's some like exchange or commentary, and someone spills someone's Dunkin' Donuts, and there's like a fist fight in the fucking airport, and it's like sec- security is nowhere to be found. It just right. it's like fuck you, you fucking cocksucker. It's just ah, oh. and it's it's hilarious, but it's also. There's something horrifying about it and exhausting, <laughs> but also kind of endearing. Yeah. 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 But so your dad was working in Boston and, and you just, you followed him there? Well, or? no, see, so, okay, so I, uh, so I, I, li- I, I lived, you know, with my mom in, in, in this, like, it's a suburb now, but at the time it was kind of like, when we first moved there, it was like a rural area. Which was It's called Mansfield. Okay. So it's, it's. I've been to Lexington. Okay, yeah, that's it's nowhere near it. Mansfield is practically in Rhode Island. Okay, so there's there's Mansfield, and then there's the town I went to high school in, which is Attleboro, and then you're in Rhode Island. So it was, it was you know way way down there, um, but I mean still, I mean Massachusetts isn't that big. It was 35 miles from Boston, you know, sure. but like maybe 15 or 20 from Providence. See, those are my plosives. Yeah, I don't have right. The, well, you, the we'll get you one next time. Yeah, you guys need to update. <laughs> We're not gonna update have you on the show again. <laughs> Because <laughs> well, we're just you're never back coming on back. Just so it sounds better. <laughs> um, yeah, where was I going with that? Anyways, oh, you were you were living with your mom, but you were still yeah, so trying to still figure go, out how I to get go, to Boston. I would go visit. I would take the train, basically. But what did your dad do for a living? Uh, what did my dad do for a, li- a lot of things? <laughs> okay, one of those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad did a lot of things too. Yeah, interesting people around the house. Like, yes, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a lot of a lot of characters. <laughs> a lot of odd jobs here and there. A lot of uh Yeah, I mean they I I, I they, they they certainly weren't odd to him. Right. Yeah, I guess. Well, maybe not odd to you at the time, but then looking back on it, you're like, "Oh, that's not how everybody." Yeah, I mean. Acts. Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. So you'd go in to visit him though. Yeah, I'd go into yeah, I'd and that, and that was an adventure. Yeah, totally, you know. And I would go cuz I I would at least I used to like it cuz I could walk to several record stores, including uh, Newbury Comics in Harvard Square, where I like to go and get all my, you know, heavy metal sure. CDs. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and how old are you at this time then? So I, I probably, I definitely, so he, I think I want to say he moved there when I was uh, in seventh or eighth grade or something. Okay. And then he lived there even after... Uh, even after I was out of high school. Right. Um, well, that's the time when you're definitely like kind of defining what kind of musical taste you're going to be into. Yeah. Or people start to give you stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, am I, you know, am I, yeah, my, uh, my dad had some, he had good taste and stuff. I mean, he, he, my dad taught me how to play a guitar initially, like the, you know, chords and things like that. And 
Creedence songs and yeah. things like that, which I, I I love Creedence, man. Oh yeah, it's like one of my favorite you bands. Know, I I tell people they're like the Nirvana of the '60s. You know, there's just so many catchy hits. Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, it's one of those bands that like everybody in the van has to agree on to listen to, and it sometimes it's just like the most perfect kind of driving music. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it's all levels. It's like there's, you know, all the chugling, and then there's, you know... Sometimes you got to chugle, Lodi. <laughs> Sometimes you got to chugle, man. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's got the country thing. It's got the rock thing. It's got the pop thing. It's got everything, so... Yeah, well, I I, I think uh, if I have this right, because, uh, you know, they had this like, sort of southern image, but I think the Fogarty brothers were from El Cerrito. Yeah, they're from, like... And then they were in like Berkeley or whatever. Yeah, which is where Metallica was in El Cerrito. Yeah, in their in the formative uh, years there. So, yeah, El Cerrito, a hotbed of musical. <laughs> well, I I remember reading a thing with uh, uh, Tony Joe White. Uh, we interviewed him years ago, my girlfriend and I. And uh, I don't, you're familiar with Tony Joe White? Maybe. No, no, no. School me. Well, he's kind of this uh, swamp boogie guy from Louisiana, and he wrote Poke Salad Annie okay, that yeah. uh, Elvis covered, and he wrote him and his wife wrote uh, Rainy Night in Georgia. Okay, and he's got an amazing uh, Austin City Limits performance, which was kind of the first thing that I became aware of from like '79, and he does a song called Even Trolls Love Rock and Roll. Whoa. And it's kind of a devil went down to Georgia sort of vibe where it's wow. like it's a story about him and his band trying to get to this gig and they have to cross this bridge and underneath the bridge there's a troll and the troll comes out and he says, play. And anyways, goes into this thing. I'm... Oh. <laughs> Is that true? Were we just, he was making. What? No, it's about a fucking troll. <laughs> He comes out of the, behind the bridge. I got to be honest. I like Jed's version better. I swear to God, you're totally wrong. All right. He says he's going to give him swamp fever, which I don't know if that, if that you're going to say that's a ticket. Is that like cat scratch fever? It's a troll gives you some sort of disease. Oh, sw oh that's like, is that like a, like swamp ass when you the undercarriage gets sort of musty? I, I, yeah, it's something like, I think it's a fever, like from like a mosquito or something. Maybe it's like malaria. I don't know. Adam's wrong. The fever. Right, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> and the only thing that can cure it is more cowbell. Well, the thing is, Tony Joe White's this like, kind of like hero of mine or whatever, but he's, just, he's funny. That's what I like about him too. He's a great, you know, um, singer, songwriter, musician, but he's also kind of funny. He's got a, another song on there all about like transvestites and how he doesn't mind and what they do is their thing. And, but it's, Silly. I think that song's about cops too. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe it is. Maybe they're all about cops, and I'm totally wrong. But uh, he toured with Creedence at one point, and he was like on the side of the stage laughing, like when they're doing like "Born on the Bayou" or something, and he's like chuckling to, to himself, you know, like "There's no Gators in Berkeley." <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> that yeah. was like a I quote love... of his. That... Yeah. So. Yeah. You're going to Newberry Comics. You're visiting yeah. your dad. Yeah. Like you're listening to metal at the time. Yeah, was that the first kind of music that you were into? Because that was like oddly enough the first thing that I got into heavily because my mom was a teacher at like an alternative high school. Oh, and I, and like I was into music, but I didn't really know what I was into, you know. And I said, and my mom said, "Well, I'll ask the kids at my school." My mom was like, "This is how she is." She's like, "I'll ask the kids at my school, like." to give me some cassettes 
Mm-hmm. And then you can listen to that and you can find out what, what you like. You know, she's always trying to like support me, you know, yeah. way. but it was like, you know, uh, a, a cassette came back with like a drawing on it of like two stick figures, butt fucking in like a circle with a line thread that said, stop AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> and then another like drawing of like the Metallica metal up your ass. Yeah. The like original kind of cover. Yeah. And I'm like in like first or second grade at this point, you know, and she's just like, oh, here you go. These guys, you know, they, they, they dub you some shit or whatever. <laughs> and it, but it was like a lot of like, you know, Bon Jovi and stuff too, though. Yeah. I, 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 so I remember, I mean, so I guess probably like a lot of people when you grow up in the middle of nowhere, you just, you like what you listen on the radio. So I would hear, you know, ACDC and Van Halen are probably the bands that I listen to when I was seven that I still listen to now with sure. just as much enthusiasm. Right. But I remember my first three tapes that I got, I got Michael Jackson thriller, which I think was probably everyone in my general age range. That was one of them. Totally. Uh, Def Leppard pyromania. That was one of the first ones I got too, or I got high and dry actually. Oh, okay. Ooh, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. I live in a trailer that's park. A little, that's a little cooler though, actually. <laughs> uh, and, uh, police synchronicity. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Which I, I, those songs are catchy, and then I just, you know, as time goes on, those guys get to be less relatable. Um, although, I, I'm, I don't know if you know this, uh, so Stuart Copeland's dad was in the CIA. No. The drummer of the police. Yeah, he was yeah. in the CIA. There's this book written about it, which I intend to buy. So Stuart Copeland's dad and, like, two other guys were CIA operatives in the Middle East, I think in the... I'm waiting for Adam to chime in and correct me. Uh, <laughs> I think in the 50s and 60s, I want to say. And they're kind of like responsible for like laying the groundwork for our current foreign policy. Really? Yeah. But isn't Stuart Copeland British? I, I don't know. Oh, okay. He's got to, he's got to be, right? Oh, he yeah, is. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. No so maybe idea. his dad, but his dad was in the CIA. I don't know how that works. Police is a band that I never really... I, I I never really bought any of the albums. I heard the songs on the radio and just kind of was like, "This isn't this isn't for me." Oh, <laughs> so wait, is so I I know I know for a fact his dad was in the CIA. So I wonder if was his dad possibly American or did they hire Brits to be in the CIA? I don't know how well, they're all working together. It's works, like yeah. James Bond shit. They're all yeah, but I mean, it wasn't like the the British. Uh, you know, it wasn't like Interpol or whatever the. I'm just sounding like I thought Interpol now. was American. <laughs> all right, all right, yeah. So, so you're listening to metal, and so when did you start like writing? Were you like doing like writing for your school paper, or like no, no, nothing like that. Never. I, what were you doing in school? Oh, as little as possible. Right. Yeah, I was not a good student, man. Because your dad was like, he was off on his own. What? Well, yeah, my, yeah. I, I mean, I really must be. Uh, yeah, my my parents are smart people. Uh, my mom was like the the valedictorian of her class, and my dad was a. At one point, he was a mathematician for the navy. Wow. Um, they're but really split smart. up though. Yeah, they split up. Yeah. So then you're not there's there's not as much control, right? As far well, as that, I think that was part of the thing that was going on, like which was good for me. You know what I mean? I I, I kind of had a lot of uh had a lot of my le- the leash was pretty long. Right. Yeah, I remember at one point, I think, uh, you know, I was sat down and my, by my mom, you know, you know, and she was like, you know, single mom working, 
two, it's just me and my sister, two kids. So I, the, the, at one point I sat down and the, the rules had basically been reduced to, uh, don't get arrested. Don't get anyone pregnant and don't smoke weed before school. Wow. Before school. Yeah. Which I, which I had been caught doing yeah. once yeah. in the bathroom. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's pretty good. I mean, the weed one, I, yeah, the, I had the other two. Yeah. And, but as far as the weed, there was no, like, it was, there's no weed whatsoever, you know? Yeah. I think they just, I mean, it was like, they just, I think she just gave up on that one. It was just like, I think she realized to her credit that you just can't, how are you going to, you can't just, she's not the TSA. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> Some knives are going to get through. It was funny. We were just going through the border in Slovenia going from Croatia to Slovenia on this tour. And uh, it was a slow day, apparently, at the border. <clears throat> We're in the van. Got all the gear in there. It's The last guy who had checked it, he was like, it smells like a gypsy in here, and just kind of let us go. <clears throat> but uh, these guys, these Slovenian guys, they were bored, and so they decided they were going to search the van. And they had us all on the side of the road, and the guy said, uh, you know, if we find... He's like, if you have drugs in here, just give it to us. We'll write you a ticket. You'll be on your way. But if we find drugs in here, he said, there's a lot of things that can happen. Uh, you can be in Croatia jail for three to 30 days, and the judge can maybe call your parents. <laughs> call your parents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like, hey, we, man, that threat doesn't actually really work anymore. <laughs> we just started all laughing really hard, and then the other guy, like his boss comes over, and he's like, what's, you know, what's so funny, you know? And we're like, oh, this guy said he's going to call our parents, you know? And the guy's like, what do you got in the van? We're like, I have a bunch of booze, and he's like, all right, get out of here. Anyways. <laughs> so when, <laughs> just as an aside parental so when so when did you start doing the writing thing then if 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 you're you know you you basically were given carte blanche to sort of do whatever you wanted in high school right yeah, and I, I i mean i i didn't make very good use of that time i don't think no, in, no one does respect no one uh, with any fucking brain does or, yeah. or any soul yeah i think yeah i mean I, 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 I still look back at it now and go oh god man i really wasted a lot of time <laughs> but, sure. but 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 i think you know I, I want to say my first writing gig, I mean, it wasn't paid or anything, but it was like for a local, it's for like a local music paper in Boston. By this time I was living in Boston, it was like 19. It's called The Noise. It might even still be around, I'm not sure. Uh, and it just covered all the local bands. Sure. And uh, I asked if I could write um, a review you know, of a show that I was going to see anyway. Um, and they said, yes, I'm not sure why they decided to do that. Or I, 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 I mean, it was free, you know what I mean? So it was like, they weren't going to, yeah, they think. just need content. <clears throat> so I did that. And that was like kind of the first thing, you know? And this was, you were listening, you were listening to mostly like heavy metal and stuff at this yeah, point. It was, I, so, yeah. It, it's at that point. That's it, always been your thing then. Well, it's sort of, I mean, I listened to, at that period. I was kind of in a, it was like, heavy rock and hardcore a lot but who hard, told hardcore. you like who told you about that there's got to be the guy that like hipped you to that to to what like metal and stuff like oh well no i mean metal i mean kind of was like i mean metal was i mean to me it's like 
you know, you hear ACDC and Van Halen and right. flipping the radio and you just kind of go down that. Got it. You know, the next thing you know, it's like you Metallica. Metallica. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like the Slayer. same. It, exactly. You, you kind of go You're like, Oh, Megadeth. That dude was in Metallica. Yeah. 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 So there, there's like, there's sort of like this, um, <laughs> what's the big four? Oh, anthrax. Yeah. There's a trajectory in place there. Once yeah. you head down that path, it's like the steps that you are going to take are in place. It's just, it's just a matter of how far are you going to go right. down that path? And I'm, pretty far into it yeah i mean you know I'm, a, I'm an old man so it's like i'm 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 pretty committed i guess yeah you know so where you at you're at the paper you're like you were at that point you're just like i'm gonna write about anything just because i want to get my foot in the door did you know that that's what you wanted to do did you know you wanted to write about music no i i think at that point i sensed that it was a way for me to, i didn't have a lot of money you know i was 19 uh i sensed that it was a way for me if i couldn't get paid writing I, it was a way for me to get into shows for free and maybe get some free music totally you know um i think that's how it started and then i kind of realized that i felt like i had a knack for it it didn't seem it didn't seem particularly difficult and at one point i was pretty convinced that i was better at it than a lot of the people around me so that helped <laughs> right or maybe yeah. you cared more yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. Which is the same thing. I mean, in the sense of yeah, but uh, no, but no, no, no. I, I mean, this, this does not speak well <laughs> of me. But I, you know, I remember having that the, that moment, those moments of like looking. At, I feel that way every day. At some of the publications everything. that I was writing for, I'm going like, these people are terrible, right? You know, right. and that I, you know, I was, I was very, I don't know if arrogant is the right word, but egotistical, cocky, egotistical is certainly, yeah. sure, cocky for sure. Oh yeah, man. But you need that when you're twenty, twenty one too, because you're not gonna get, no one's gonna give you a, a leg up if you don't have that, you know. I, I, yeah, I think that's true, man. I think you, I was convinced I, I wasn't, you know, I, I think I decided at one point that I wasn't gonna be like a wallflower kind of person that I was gonna, right. If it took a little bit of extra, like. Fuck you. Dude, I walked of... into Sub Pop when I was 19. Everyone fucking hated me. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and to this day, the, some of those people are like, you know, my best, I'm sorry, I kicked you, uh, my best friends, but like, you know, they're just like, you know, now they'll be like, God, I fucking hated you. You're such a little piece of shit, <laughs> you know? Yeah, man. And you I are, mean... but that's, that's what, that's what it takes sometimes. Yeah. I to mean... give you the confidence to go in there and do it. Yeah. I mean, I think that was the other thing too, that I was, I was not. I kind of wasn't, um, and I still sort of feel this way. I was never burdened by the idea. Well, at one point maybe, but I never thought like, I've never done this before, so therefore I shouldn't do it. Right. I should leave it to the professionals or something. That kind of never really appealed to me. Then there's a certain arrogance in that, but I think, like well, you said, punk rock. I think, you, yeah, 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 totally. You know, and I've never claimed to be a punk rocker, but I certainly embrace that attitude like wholeheartedly. Just fucking do it man yeah you know were you going to school did you go to college then yeah yeah well yeah i'm a, I'm a it's like shocking to me that i'm a college graduate <laughs> yeah yeah where did you go to school at emerson college oh that's where my girlfriend went yeah, yeah that's, that's where a lot of people that are in la now that i know went to that fucking school a lot of actors a lot of henry winkler man really jay leno jay leno went there wow. dennis leary i think went there really well he's yeah. a boston guy Yep, Jay Leno too. Yeah, Henry, Henry, the Arthur Fonzarelli man. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, there you go, Seth MacFarlane. When I when I was there, uh, I went there with Mark Thompson, uh, who 
owns Vacation Vinyl. Oh, okay, yeah, totally. Uh, he's a couple years older than me, but I met him there um, because we were sleeping with the same girl. That's another story. Uh, but uh, Let's tell that story. Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't have to tell that story. Uh, yeah, uh, Meatloaf's daughter was going there at the time. That was like, that, yeah, that was sort that of That was the girl you were sleeping with? No. Oh. No. Okay. All right. Uh, yo, man, can we delete that part? <laughs> We'll edit it out. Yeah, she, she's she's married to the guy from Anthrax now, so we should definitely delete that. Which part. guy? Scott Ian. Scott Ian. Wow. Yeah. But That's yes, crazy. no, I, I had no relationship with her whatsoever. Well, then we don't need to delete anything. <laughs> That's my question. <laughs> and you just did not. You said not. Yeah, yeah. You didn't even no. deny it. Different said, girl. Got totally it. different girl. Right. But no, she cool. was go. She was going to the school. Um, at the time, right? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of. I mean, I don't know that much about it but i mean it's an arty school right or, yeah oh yeah and, and it's kind of like uh we have crossroads out here or whatever that's like there's like some sort of uh a lot of actors go there you know and artists and things like that and then they then they keep in touch later and they get out to la and they're like hey i went to emerson too like it's like that kind of thing right yeah, not for you, obviously, but I don't because you're DJing at Footsie's on yeah. Tuesday. But <laughs> I've come so far. Yeah, I know some, some of the these stars, people. really. I know, but some of these people, it's like a thing, you know. That they yeah, never, I know. I know. It's like it's a like mafia, a, like an artist frat or something. Or yeah, totally. I, we, I, Mark Thompson is. I should stress that Mark Thompson is the only person I've stayed in touch with from Emerson College. Right. I, I don't. Not really. I never got. I never. I never got involved in that um, clique of. How far is Emerson from, like, Boston, though? It's in Boston. Oh, it's in Boston. Okay, so you're yeah. writing for the paper and going to school at the same time. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Not but that's a pretty fucking sweet gig when you're yeah. 19. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I hadn't started the Boston's Weekly Dig. That 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 hadn't started yet. Um, this was still, I was just writing for free for the noise and whoever else would. I'm trying to think what else I did at that time. Um yeah, th those those kind of gigs were sort of sporadic, I guess, at that point. But then it wasn't until after school that I, um, you know, you started working at the weekly at the yeah the I, dig. Oh, I started writing for them for free, right? And Mark Thompson actually arranged this. Um, it's a funny story. So the guy who was the the editor at the weekly dig, his name was Joe Bonney. And for those who don't know, Mark Thompson ran Hydrahead Records. Mark Thompson too. ran Hydrahead Records for years and years and years, and he owns Vacation Vinyl right. currently. So Mark Thompson and I lived together in Boston after we had met at Emerson, and he he introduced me to Joe Bonney, who had run a another free sort of paper that was in Boston and New York that was all hardcore and heavy metal. It was called the Pit Report. And it was all covering all the local bands. <laughs> so he, he, I love that name. so he stopped that. He stopped that and he became the editor of this weekly dig thing. Mark introduced me. A funny, funny side story. The Boston band Anal Cunt. Which I'm right, sure, yeah. They have a song called Punching Joe Bonnie's Face In. Uh -huh. I'm not sure which record's on, but it, you can look it up and it's there. But it, right. it has to do with, uh, something that Joe Bonnie wrote about. <laughs> Anal Cunt, obviously. So, anyways, this is the guy, this is the guy who's like my, you know, who I get introduced to, who becomes my, did you know about the song before Boston. then or no? Uh, yes, I did. It was like a local thing. Everyone yeah, knew. Totally, yeah, totally. Like, Boston's uh, a small place. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and like, uh, what's that? That's uh, the, the Angry Simone song about like Rodney Bingenheimer. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Totally. So, so uh, where was I going with this one? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, so, oh, so I started to write, I was, I wrote stuff for them for free just because I was excited to write. And then they, they needed a, 
a delivery guy, uh-huh. like to drive the van and drop off the paper. So that was my first paying job with them. I was the delivery guy. I did that for about a year. Right. I, got, I went, <laughs> I skipped like several levels apparently because I went from delivery guy to music editor like, right. in, a, like in a year. <laughs> that's you know how it happens. Yeah, though, yeah, man. yeah, yeah. Well, that's the beauty of those kinds of joints. But that was a great. Um, that was a great experience, a great time. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of those kinds of joints. And again, being like the cocky asshole guy that like, you know, some people maybe would have been freaked out by that, you know, and you're like, oh, yeah, fuck, I could do the music editor job. Like, yeah, I'll just park over here and I'll get my. Oh, man, it was it was like pencil out. The weekly deadline thing was like, oh, man, it was stressful. And in addition to that, I, I was the, I was the copy editor. I copy edited the entire thing, not just the music section, the entire thing every week. This is the dig, right? This is not the pit report. This is the dig. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I, I never did anything with the pit report. <clears throat> gotcha, Joe, gotcha. Joe Bonnie ran the pit report. Okay. It was already gone by right. the time I Got started. It. I never did anything with that. So you're copy editing this weekly newspaper. Every week, the whole thing. I was the editor of the music section, so I'd do all that stuff. And then on top of that, I had to copy edit the entire thing every week. What were they paying you? I, mean, I want. I mean, that's why I have no hair right now. I'm pretty. I think <laughs> I'm. Conv- I'm convinced that's the reason. <laughs> what, what did they pay you back then, though? Oh my God, man! I, yeah, I, I think we're both going to start crying when I tell you. <laughs> tell me. <laughs> I got paid three hundred dollars a week. Wow, that's crazy, man. This was like in 1999. Yeah. Wow, that's not even that long ago. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. That's brutal. Yeah. I'm not. So I'm, how many, I mean, because paint the picture for us, there's as, as far as like copy editing, like what goes in, like what goes into that? You're just reading the. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I got to read the whole thing and like, you know, put, make sure there's, I'm looking for typos. I got to cross everyone's T's and dot everyone's I's and like weird grammar stuff. And it's like, and keep in mind that all these people, most of them who are writing this are unpaid people. So it's not like you can. Right. There's only so much whip cracking that can be done. Like, you know what I mean? With these, like, poor kids. You know what I mean? It's like, you can't. So, yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how many hours a week were you putting it in? Oh, like a million, man. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Hurt. Yeah. It was. It, I, I sort of. I mean, I, you know what? I was young. And, uh, Dude, I know, man. And you don't. You don't. You kind, you kind of don't think about it. You don't care. I mean, I was stressed out sometimes, but I just. I was go, I would go out every night. I would go to the show. I would go to a show, go, a show to go to every night, and I was happy because I, you know, I, I could get into shows for free, and I got the records that I wanted for free, and so that makes that kind of compensates. That's all that money that I don't have to spend on that. Sure, that's because that's all you wanted to do anyways. I can barely pay my rent with it. Yeah, right. I was yeah at that time when I was that age. I was I just moved to Seattle. I was working in a print shop uh, that was about a forty-five minute drive from my house. And I had to be there at six in the morning, and then I I got off at like it was six to six to like one or two in the afternoon, so it was like an eight hour shift, but started at six in the morning, and I would sleep from like two to four thirty, and then I would go to my telemarketing job that was five to nine, and then I would go out after that to like a punk show like every night. Yeah. You know, yeah. but th- I mean, that's <laughs> just, what you can do when you're like 19 and made out of rubber or, or whatever. Just made just out of rubber and, and out beer. of my mind. Fucking Miller High Life. Oh, I was just so stoked to be out of the fucking house and yeah. be out of the about out of Eastern Washington and the small town that I was from. I was just like, fuck it, I'm just gonna do everything. Yeah, know? that's the thing. I think when you come from a place like that, you're kind of you have this different mindset. It's just like you get to the city, and it's like. Ah. 
<laughs> you know? Yeah, you freak you out. Freak out, man. I I totally did. You know. Yeah. So you so but it eventually got to the point where they were able to send the, the papers doing well enough that they could send you to South by Southwest, which is like that's not that long after. Yeah, you I and mean, I met. yeah, it's, the, the paper started it's doing really, years really well. I mean, not, not. I mean, I think I got, I got, I got a raise or two in there somewhere. I certainly, no one got rich working there, and that's sure. for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it eventually started doing pretty well, and there was like, you know, more and more paid staffers and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think everyone was like sweating out rent, including the rent on the, the office that we worked in. You know what I mean? Right. It's like. Yeah, I mean, it's it, all the whole thing was hand to mouth the entire time, but it would kind of slowly expand and still, you know, yeah. And then, so at what point do you go? I'm going to move out to L.A. and become more of a freelance person. So was that just from the market dictating that, or no? Well, okay. Uh, so what happened was uh, I at, at one of those South by Southwest. Actually, it might have been the one where we met. I met another guy. His name was Kevin Imamura, and he was a mutual friend of, uh, uh, do you know Phil from 16? He, he used to be in 16. No. Uh, full Metal Phil, full Phil Vera. Uh, so I met this guy, Kevin Imamura. He was working for Transworld, like the skate sure. thing. They had just started a new magazine called Stance, which mm -hmm. was basically they're trying to do like a younger version of Maxim, basically. Right. Um, Were they owned by Larry Flint and Hustler? Was that a Hustler? No, no. They, this is, so Transworld did its own thing. Okay. Uh, yeah. Big, big, big Brother. Big Brother, big yeah. brother was the Right, that's one. right. So I met him there, and we met at an Electric Wizard show, I remember. It was just, this must have been 2000, because I think this was when they came. Uh, and uh, he gave me his card, and uh, he's like, oh, you like Electric Wizard? You should write about Electric Wizard for this magazine I'm doing. It's like, great awesome right so i do that that relationship continues for like you know two years or something i'm freelancing from boston for him just doing the occasional right piece and then uh, this is when you're kind of, because when i first met you you were i considered you a writer but this is you kind of transitioning into being like the metal guy kind of no yeah i mean i sort of was all i mean i thought that's sort of always what i was doing but right. i was kind of I would also write about other kinds of music that I was interested in because I had access to so much of it because I was the, I was the music editor for the whole thing. So it was like any style of sure. music had to go. So I had to be kind of familiar. I had to familiarize. familiarize. I'm, I'm, I was way more, like as far as current stuff, I was way more familiar with everything that was going on at that point as far as indie rock and stuff than I am now. Like I, now I, I really have no idea what's going on currently sure. with that stuff. My Nobody you know, does anymore. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, but I, you know, I'm I, I've stayed on top of the you know the metal thing pretty consistently. Uh, so anyway, so I was freelancing from Boston while I was still you know being a music editor at the Weekly Dig, and uh, and then at one point, I, Mark and I had been talking about we wanted to move to Los Angeles, and uh, and I said so. I just emailed him. I was like, hey man, uh, you know, I'm thinking about moving out there. Do you guys have any? positions opening up or anything like that or anything available and he goes actually he's like it's funny i'm leaving uh he's like i'm gonna i'll recommend you for my job i was like great fucking a, awesome yeah. so i came out i interviewed with uh with these guys the, the you know the guys who i was gonna have to work with and uh i remember there was a moment like during the interview where i kind of explained what i did like every week and they were kind of just like 
Right. Really? Like, yeah. like, like, I could just tell that the, the, the hidden subtext was that's way more, that, that's way more than you're going to have to do here. Right. You know and what I mean? also, you're probably thinking, like, fuck, I, I shouldn't have told them that much. Yeah, oh, like, yeah, immediately. But I, but the thing is, I wanted the job. You know sure. what I mean? So I was like, if I got to tell them, if I got to lay it all out and say, I, I'll fucking bust ass, I'll do it because. I want to move out here and I want to have a job. Right. I want to be, I don't want to be out here with, you know, $10 in my pocket. Um, so I got the job and then, uh, seven months later they shut down the whole magazine, right. but it didn't matter. Uh, I didn't particularly, it wasn't really my thing. Um, and it got me out here. Right. And most importantly, it made me eligible for unemployment. Right. So I could collect unemployment while I started freelancing. Uh, which I started doing. That was 2003. So, and that was, and here I am. There you go. I just told you my whole life story. <clears throat> That's great. I needed to know it because I wanted to move on from the writing thing because I only have you, <laughs> have you for so long. I mean, the show could go on for days, you know, if we, if we wanted it to, but I don't think anyone listening wants it to. But so then that, that leads me perfectly into my next question was when did you start playing music yourself? I mean, were you playing music this entire time? Because no. No, I didn't think so. Uh, no, I, I, I played with some friends like here and there, but nothing that ever became like a band or we'd play shows or anything. It was just like, you know, kids fucking around. Um, yeah, it wasn't until I moved out here, uh, and, and way, and way after that too, like maybe, I don't know. I mean, it was it probably, I didn't start playing in a, in a band like that played shows till like seven years ago, something like that, maybe six, six, seven years ago. So th is Eyes of Gemini then like your first like band? Yeah. 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 Which, that's crazy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, I think, I think the, the reason I think that happened is because I didn't have. There was two things going on. I think, you know, we talked about earlier about the, the, the sort of punk rock idea of like, just do it. I think growing up in or growing in Boston or being in Boston when I was in my late teens, early 20s, and I was around all these bands who were not only friends of mine, but were extremely successful and talented bands like Cave-In and Isis and things like that. I think I was on some level intimidated by that in the sense that I thought I can never fucking compete with these guys. Right. I mean, this stuff, these guys are so talented I can never, and They're I so think technical and yeah, man. And I think, you know, I think if I wanted to like find some guys and start something, I could have at that point. And I kind of shudder, shudder to think what that might sound like. I'm so glad it didn't happen, man. <laughs> right. You know? Um, but yeah, so in a lot of ways I have to thank those guys for like, and just being awesome and convincing me not to do that at that time. <laughs> do you still talk to those guys? Yeah. In fact, I, I play in a, another band with, uh, with Mike Gallagher, who was in ISIS. We just finished a record last night. We just finished mixing it. What did those guys do about ISIS? What do you mean? What did they do? <laughs> like, what, like, how do they, Oh, you mean with, with the, the name ISIS? and the fucking explain? Oh, okay. well, I mean, I, I read, I mean, I, I heard something about like, there was like a thing about the plane and all sorts of shit. Like, so all right, to absolutely no one's surprise, uh, this country is full of people who maybe aren't the brightest bulb on the tree. So Icebook's Facebook page. Now, granted, ISIS, the militant Islam group, didn't yeah. exist until after ISIS, the band, sure. split up. Okay. So that's that's step number one. <laughs> step number two, ISIS, you know, <clears throat> ISIS, the band has had a face has a Facebook page that was still active and still is active. Because <laughs> you can't band, get rid of them right, anyways. After the band had ended, even if you but if you go to. to the page, just like any other band page you might see on Facebook, it says ISIS, and under right underneath it, it says band. 
slash musician. And on the, the ISIS band page, the photo, the banner photo, is of a clearly of a live band playing music. And yet, yeah, wow, they were fucking bombarded with idiots. Sure. Like, basically, like, who didn't get that it was a band. Of and course. Not, I mean, it, this is like made the news. Like, oh, I know. It, yeah. 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 I mean, that's why yeah. I'm asking you because yeah. it's like, in the same way, it's like, there's so much misinformation out there that like. <sighs> I just can't. I, I, I can't even fathom how it happened. I mean, like, <laughs> I don't know how you can look at that at, at that page and think that it is anything else but a band. Because these people have never even heard of this band. No, yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. I mean, but I mean, but but if I but I mean if I sh like if I showed you a photograph, right, I agree. of a band playing, yeah, and not only is it a photo of a band, it says on the photo band, yeah. You look at it and go, that's not a band. That is a militant. It, those are militant Islam. <laughs> like they're they're and they're coming. They want to kill us this, all. But you gotta th think of like who the people are. Yeah, are. no, I know. I, I it's like I mean I'm. It's it, not it's surprising. Kind of, no, I know, but it's like it's insane. Yeah, but so like, what do those guys think about it? Like they're just. Uh, I think from what I can gather, uh, it it seemed like very depending on which one you talk to, it's varying, sure. varying degrees of like you know sort of like. Thinking it's funny, I think right. at least one guy I think like was kind of upset about it, um, but I think most I was just varying degrees of like I mean the band is over, you yeah. know what I mean it was like right, but then you get comments I, I remember seeing comments from like fans too who are like, well now I'm, I, you know I have to, and they're being serious like I I guess I have to be careful about wearing my ISIS T-shirt in public, which frankly depending where you live maybe that's true I, you know what I mean I just. It's it sucks to say that, but yeah, I think it's true everywhere. Yeah, I think you're gonna see. You know, I mean, L. A. is like, L. A. is just like kind of an amalgamation of like some of the shittiest people from the shittiest parts of the country. You know, I mean, as opposed to New York, which, I mean, I'm not trying to make any. These are just my personal views. But <laughs> some of the shittiest people that are actually from New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tend to like the people that are from L. A. Versus the people that are from New York and vice versa and that like the people that move to L.A. versus the people that move to New York. Maybe yeah. we know. are the people that move to L.A. I know. Well, we're <laughs> shitheads. But what are, what are you going to do? You know, that's just my general sort of. Yeah. My my take on it. But but uh, but I mean, you know, people you got a bunch of tourists walking around. So if they, you're walking down the street and you got an ISIS shirt on. Yeah. Someone's going to say something. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Or just be confused and look at you like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know what? It's funny. I'm trying to think like if I, I mean, I have ISIS t-shirts. I don't know if I have worn them. I see. I don't even think about stuff like this until we're talking about it now. But I, <laughs> if, if I have worn it and I can't think of a specific instance, no one approached me about it, but maybe I just haven't. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. So you start playing music though yourself because right. it took you... Those guys intimidating you. I mean, I was the same way. Like I, you know, I was listening to Metallica and I was listening to Slayer and I, you know, on all these bands that were like the obvious metal bands when I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, I say, I mean, and I say intimidating. I don't think it was a conscious thing where I looked. At the, I just think now in retrospect, I go, I see why that didn't happen. It was right. part of like a mental block that I put on myself, and in a way, I think it's the way things are supposed to be because I think. I think whatever I would have done at that point would have potentially been terrible. So yeah, I'm kind of glad. Whatever everyone does at that point is well, not with those guys. Those guys were amazing, man. Yeah, but they'd already been obviously they'd been playing 
for yeah. a while. Yeah. They weren't, weren't just awesome. Yeah. Like, or probably some of them were like taught musicians. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they went to school for it or something like that. I mean, how old were they? Were like they're all the all the ISIS guys are like roughly. Oh, in fact, one the the bass player of ISIS is exactly my age to the day. Um, with the same birthday, and the other guys are all roughly my my age. You right. Know, a couple. Of, so maybe they started playing in a band when they were twelve or thirteen, and they just yeah, got, yeah, got no. good. You know. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think they just applied themselves a little earlier. Like I said, when I was a teenager, <laughs> I, I, when I was a teenager, I wasted a lot of time. <laughs> sure. And that's what I regret. I, if I had thrown myself maybe into an instrument more, I, I would have been. I'd probably be. In, I wish I would have taken fucking baseball seriously because it was like something that I was like better at than most other things. And I just thought it was like lame. Yeah, yeah. And I thought the guys on the team were lame. Yeah. And then like, (laughs) and they wanted to like, or like football, like they wanted to pray before the game. And I was just like, fuck that. Like, oh, yeah. You know, Joel Biafra wouldn't be on this football. Like, <laughs> well, I went to Catholic school, man. I know all about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I had this weird, like, you know, one of these, like, you, you look back on it and just like, what the fuck was I protesting against? Like, I liked playing baseball, yeah. Yeah. but I still had to be like, You're protesting the, against the, your own future. <laughs> <laughs> not that, but probably not that I would have ever made any money off of it, but like, I probably would have had a lot better of a time doing it if I would have, like, Maybe I didn't have to buy in, but I didn't have to be an asshole to everybody on right. the team. Just like, oh, you fucking like baseball? Like, yeah. oh, I'm going to go practice with my band after baseball practice and yeah. like skateboard over there, you know? And just, but also still like, I want to play baseball, <laughs> but just being a dick about it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Isaac Gemini, but the, it's, it's your, it's you and it's your girlfriend. Yeah. And, like how did that come about did were you guys together first or did yeah the band... we were together first so i met her and uh then she started a band called black math horseman that she was playing in with playing with um and i would kind of go to their shows and help out like carry stuff and sell t-shirts whatever needed to be done and they got uh, an offer to play Roadburn one year uh so i was going to go over with them and it was the year that the vol- the Icelandic volcano that no one can oh, yeah. exploded. So we were literally we we're on the plane at LAX getting ready to take off when the volcano exploded. So they just yanked everyone off the plane. We ended up staying at a hotel out by LAX like for a few days, like waiting to see if there would be a plane. But no, I mean there was no planes for like a week. By that time, it was like the tour they had planned to go around Roadburn. They'd missed so many shows that they just had to cancel it. Oh, that's crazy. So, but the the result of that was. Um, Sarah and I had already talked about maybe trying to do something and we had this time that we had taken off because we thought we were going to be in Europe. So we're like, well, you know, let's just record this. We just took that week or week and a half, whatever it was and recorded like what became the first EP or demo or whatever it was. So we maximized our, our time, I guess. And what you guys are doing, I mean, seems to me, and you can totally correct me if I'm wrong, but like, it seems like it would it, it it's more accepted over there than it is here. I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't. I don't know where you guys don't play like a lot of L.A. shows. No, I mean every no every once in a while we do. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think we're we're strange. I'm sort of learning that we're like a str- and I like this. We're kind of a strange band. I think we are. I think we are not. I don't think we're a metal band. First of all, no. And I think we are not heavy enough for people who like metal. And I think we are probably too heavy for the people who might be our audience well you're dark yeah it's like you know yeah i mean because i went to see it and i didn't really know what to expect and it was kind of different than what i 
thought yeah. it would be. You know, I thought it would be like fast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or you know what I mean? It's more. <laughs> well, I don't even know what you call it, but I mean, the, these days I feel like there's so many like people just split hairs so much with yeah. with metal, especially. There's so many like genres, and there's like so many people that are like this is the kind of metal that I like yeah. and nothing else, you yeah. know, which is insane. But those yeah. people are always insane, too. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot different. It's like more of like an atmospheric. I mean, it's almost like more like, I don't know, like Jesus and Mary Chain, but with like maybe more like uh, like a meaner kind of guitar yeah. or something. Or yeah. I don't know. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's how I think of it. It's like it's sort of. I think with if I was playing guitar a different way, it would be a different kind of band, you know, like Susie and the Banshees or something. Right. But it's like not because I don't play guitar that way. Which I, I that man, that I, you know, the guy John. I'm gonna mispronounce his name, John McGeeock, the Scottish guy who played on like Juju and stuff. He, that guy is an amazing guitar player. I wish I could play guitar like that. Sure, but I cannot. <laughs> right. So what you have is well, you started yeah. too late, or else yeah, you would have yeah, you, right, you, exactly. you would have been fine, yeah. but you waited yeah. too long. So yeah. now you're stuck with what you got. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to say like I hate it when people are like, "Oh, it's like uh, atmospheric black metal," or like, cause yeah. like, what the fuck does that mean?" And yeah, and it's just like no, I, I hate it too. I, I hate trying to describe describe. I've had to write bios for us and stuff. I hate it. That's and that's what I wanted to ask you too. It's like what what is it like being? Because I've been in this position too, as being like you, you, when you're working in the music business and you're in a band or whatever. Is there like I almost feel like I'm more critical of myself yeah. and other people. And and do you find that? And do you find it hard to be like objective and I what happened about I, your own stuff more than other people's? I'd imagine, but it definitely makes me more critical of myself. It it actually has, in a weird way, in a positive way, I think, has made me less critical of others, uh, and in a very real sense. In that, you know, I I sort of. I've been moving away more and more. I don't, I don't, I write very few reviews these days. I don't, I'm not really, I don't, I don't like it. And I'm not sure now that I'm sort of playing out with some of these bands that it's really appropriate for me to be doing that. Right. So now I try to focus mostly on like doing interviews and stuff like that. Cause it's more, I'm not, my opinion doesn't fucking matter. You know well, what that's I mean? what I'm saying. I mean, that's like why I'm doing this show is because it's like, and I and I think I agree with you too. I, when I said I was more critical of others, I I, I, I kind of misspoke there. I, I find myself more ex accepting of other bands and just like, even if I don't like it, just being like, ah, well, fuck, they're trying, you know, and I know how fucking hard it is. And, exactly, man. You realize you know, how much work goes into it, even if you don't like what it is. Especially if they're like, oh yeah, we're going on tour for two months or whatever. You could be like, oh, they're the fucking shittiest band in the world. Or, or like, you know, my buddies in the shrine are just left for two months in Europe and I just did a month and I'm just like, fuck, you know, like yeah. it sounds insane. Like it's, that's crazy that you're like, whether you, whatever you think about and obviously I love those guys, but like whatever you think about it, it's just like, man, people are doing it. And it's like, you have to, at some point when you, when you're in the mix of yourself, you got to like take your hat off to them, you know, yeah. at some point. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But it's not, the, it's not easy in the same way. It's like when you write so much about music or you study music and you're such a fan of music, I find like sometimes you you, you get hard, really hard on yourself for not living up to these things that you've you know intellectualized yeah 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 i i mean i don't know man i mean it's always like i i think i think i try to 
I, it's hard. It's you know, it's easier said than done, obviously. But I try not to have like, I try not to set the bar too high. I mean, I want, I want, I want to, I want to make the best thing that I can make. But when you get into ideas of, well, I want to do, I want to do this. I want to go on this tour, and I want to, you know, I want to, you know, this record needs to sound this way or whatever. I, I think you're kind of setting yourself up for a disappointment. I think you need to let things happen as they're happening i mean you you should obviously strive to be the best you can be right. uh, at all times but when you kind of worry about the other stuff like where this is all going um that's all i don't know i i i, I really try to stay away from that stuff i you know well i think the more that I, I do it i definitely the less i think about where this is all going and what's like as far as like what you know, trying to stay on this path and this vision of like what I have for the band and what the music's all about and blah, blah, blah. The longer you do it, the, the, it starts to, that, that path sort of expands or it gets a little, uh, it starts to crumble a little yeah. bit and you the, start. The waters become muddied. <laughs> because you just, you fucking put so much effort into it that like, how much energy do you have on, I mean, that's why like a band like Crass or something like that, like they, they, probably don't ever speak to each other again, you know, or they, they had some horrible breakup because it's so hard to keep three people or four people so fucking invested on this, like, one idea and this one aesthetic, and, yeah. and it can only last for so long. But that's like, I mean, you guys went on tour with the fucking mountain goats. Yeah. And that seems, I mean, what I do know is that that guy from the mountain goats is a huge, like, metal fan. Totally, yeah. And also, I think, wrestling, too. yeah. Oddly enough. And I don't know how I know these things, yeah. but just I also know that, like, you know, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Gardner broke up because of the nanny or something like that. But I know <laughs> things that I shouldn't know or, or I don't know why. You've got I know, one up on me. I don't know <laughs> why I know that. Well, because I watch TMZ. But, <clears throat> so you, but, but that's like an odd pairing. Totally. Musically. They're, yeah. they're more or less an acoustic kind of yeah. indie rock band. Yep. Yeah, but you know, he. We, I was. Uh, first of all, I was. We were very flattered and honored to be. Of course, he asked us. John Darnielle asked us to do that tour. How did he know you guys? Um, so I know him. He he writes for a magazine that I also write for, Decibel. Okay. Um, he writes this back page column, which is very freeform, very funny. Sure. Um, and so I know him through that. And uh, at one point, like before the whole tour thing happened, like years before. Uh, you know, he had sent me an email saying that he liked uh, the Gemini and he was into it. And I said, Oh, well, cool. Let me send you some, I sent him a CD or whatever it was. And he, you know, I just get sporadic emails from him or, or messages like, Hey, I really like this song or this, uh, digging this song today. And it was just nice, cool, you know? And then, uh, and then he was like, Hey man, you know, we're getting ready to go on tour. We, I, we think we want to take you guys. Are you available? Um, you know, these dates or whatever. And I was like, whoa yeah you know and of course i was like I, I, yeah i mean this is awesome it's flattering but i also didn't know like as you said it's a very strange pairing how would you be accepted by yeah. that yeah and what i learned on that tour is that his fans if he, if you go out with him i mean they only bring one band on tour so there's one support sure. band um it's kind of understood that you are getting the John Darnielle seal of approval. At least, at least that's how I interpret it. Mm -hmm. you know, maybe I'm overstepping my reach there, but that's how I interpret it. And and I think, and that's certainly how his fans interpreted because they were very, uh, like incredibly, they were so cool and open and into it. And like they, people would come over, you know, when we were at the merch table or something, and um, 
like, well, I've never, what, what do you call this kind of music? I've never seen anything. Right. That's not what they listen to. Sure. You know what I mean? But they know, but they really like the Mountain Goats. They really like what John does. And they want, they want to get into what he's into. Right. They, you know, they want to, they want to appreciate that. And I, I was, it went, except for the fact that we had to drop off the tour because our drummer got hurt. Oh. Um, for the time we did it. Because when I saw excellent. you, she, you had a different drummer. Yeah. What happened to her? So Kelly, our drummer, uh, actually on stage on the Mountain Goats tour in North Carolina, she um, she injured her. She had a uh, she basically had a, a what do you call it displaced vertebra, and uh, you know can't it made it. I mean, she can't play drums. I mean, yeah, anymore. No, no. Well, I mean, she still can't currently. Yeah. Uh, and that was, that happened, that would have been early May. Yeah. So she still is recovering from that. Um, I think what happened was, uh, you know, I think the, the actual back injury is maybe better now, but because of the way she didn't tell us for a few days and I think she was trying to tough it out. And I think whatever she was doing to compensate for that pain screwed up her hip. And so maybe now she's having a problem. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe that's right. all nonsense, but anyway, in, in any event, she still can't play drums. So we've had our friend Sash, uh, who, I play in MGR with Mike from ISIS. Sash is also in that. But he 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 filled in with us for a couple of um, like weekend dates that we did, and then our friend Scott uh, Batiste from Saviors just did the West Coast tour. Oh, cool! With us, yeah. He's a drummer from Saviors. From Saviors, yeah. yeah. I met that yeah. guy a few times. Nice guy. Yeah, I really like that guy. Yeah, he's awesome. I like all the guys in that band. They're all yeah, they're super, super cool. fucking nice guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah I I'm gotta so... have Austin on the show, and I want to have those guys are great. Mish on the show. Yeah, is that how you say it, Mish. M Mish, I think Mish. I think. I think it's Mish. Is it Mish? No, <laughs> I just met her for the first time the other night. I've met her a few times and like, yeah. uh, and I just I, I want to have her on and I and I, but I, I got to figure out how to say her name. Yeah, first. yeah. But, but we almost shared his practice space with those Saviors guys, and you know they're like, the bass players like printed our shirts and stuff, and then you know they're yeah. gnarly looking fucking dudes, and then you like walk in and they're just like the nicest dudes. Yeah, you know? they're awesome. Yeah. yeah. So what are you doing now? What's what's the writing thing and what's next for the band? And then because we've been talking fucking forever now, and All right. which is good because it's easy, you know. It's just like we've got to wrap it up here. Okay, uh, M MGR, <laughs> the MGR, which I play in with uh, with Mike, who who was in ISIS, and Sash, who helped us out, and, and another friend of mine, Brian. Um, uh, we just uh, MGR is the band Mustard Gas and Roses. We just finished a record. We just finished mixing it last night. So hopefully, oh, that'll, killer. hopefully that'll be out. You know, next year at some point. Uh, Ides of Gemini is writing a record right now, and uh, then Black Mare, which is the other band I play in with Sarah, is uh, she's working on that new record right now too, as well. Do you ever get uh, confused for the other Jay Bennett who writes like weird, like kind of like horror novels? No, but I was con I I've been often not confused, but like there's a guy named Jay Bennett who was in Wilco, and yeah. I used to get. Um, I guess he did a solo tour, so I would get like, you know, <laughs> people would like. I think that guy died though. No, I don't know much about Wilco. I'm not sure. Do yeah, you? I don't. I don't. I don't like Wilco. I like okay. uh, uh, the one guitar player. Uh, I, I can't remember. His name. I don't know anyone's name, and yeah. the only reason I know this guy's name because it's my name. <laughs> <laughs> I think he died. Okay. Well, when he was alive. Yeah. At least I hope he was alive. He did a solo tour. <clears throat> And people were like sending me news clippings. You didn't tell us you were coming to town. Like, like you know, weird <laughs> jokes like that. You know, it's like, oh, okay, yeah. But this writer guy spells it the same way, though. It's J, just the letter Bennett. And he writes like weird, like vampire teen books, I think. Oh. Yeah. Wow. 
Man, I'd pick the wrong career, huh? He's probably making money too. I, I don't know. Vampire team books. It's got to be so lucrative. Well, I don't know. It's like it's a it's a it's a you know. There's a lot of people doing it though. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, yeah. It's like uh, it's like music. There's too many fucking people doing it. Too many. Yeah. Thanks, Jay. Dude, thank you. Good to see you. Likewise. All right, next time. <laughs> All right, that was Jed Banger's ball. That was Jay Bennett. Uh, just thanks again to everyone. For listening, uh, it's so good to be back doing the show again. It's great to be back in L.A. It's great to see everybody again. Um, I want to thank Jessica Hunley again for producing, as always. Uh, I want to thank Adam Wade for engineering the show. Uh, it's it's going to be good. It, it's a new thing. Uh, we're in a new studio. we got a new engineer. We're trying to figure out what the hell to do with the show, where to put it. If you want to write us, uh, you can just uh, go on the uh, jedbangersball.bandcamp.com page. Uh, there's contact information on there. If you have any ideas as far as, like, podcasts go, I don't know. This is, like, DIY punk rock shit. I don't know what I'm doing. We don't we don't know technology. Everybody says there's Lipson and there's Howl and there's iTunes and all these. I don't know which one to go. I don't know if I got to go on Lyft or if I got to go on Uber or if I got to you know, uh, sign up for this one, or uh, who knows anymore, there, there's too many goddamn options out there, so you tell me, like, get in touch with us on the page, let us know where you want to hear the podcast, where's the easiest place to hear it, and, and we're going to figure it out, because like I said, I've been gone for a month, in Europe, uh, you know, I don't know, I listen to WTF over there, I don't know what, what podcasts they have over there, but I wasn't going to ask those people, like, where, where they wanted to hear Jet Bangers Ball, because... They don't even know what the fuck Jed Banger's ball is. <laughs> Anyways, thanks again for everybody for checking it out. We'll see you next time.